soldiers, don't we? It's a good thing. All right, uh, First Timothy tonight, continue our series on authentic church. And Lord willing, we'll just uh, cover a couple of verses here this evening, mindful of your time tonight as we get into a busy week as a church, into our holiday Bible club week. I'm, I'm really excited. Just really looking forward to what the Lord's going to do this week. And um, wanted to say thank you to all those who've already labored so, so well. I know yesterday was a bit of a long day for many of, uh, of those who volunteered and then all week this week and so I'll be, be around but looking forward to just uh, seeing, seeing all your labors come to, um, uh, come to be this week and see what the Lord's going to do. And, um, but I want to say thank you already to those who have worked so hard to get things ready and more to come. There's still things to do tonight. So just uh, encourage those, uh, especially uh, Brother Darren and, and Rekha, about uh, their work. They're li- really leading the team, and so just uh, appreciate them. But uh, First Timothy, let's just uh, read. Let's see. Let's read verses uh, chapter verses three to seven, chapter one, verses three to seven. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into the Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. And, and notice verse 5, it's our, our theme verse for the, uh, for the year. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. And so as we've gone through the, the first few verses of this, uh, this letter to Timothy, Paul's son in the faith, um, we've recognized that, that Timothy had a big job to do. He had a, a very important job to do as, as Paul besought him to stay there in Ephesus. We learned a little bit about Ephesus, how it was a large city. Um, it was really a place where east met west. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, uh, the culture of that day uh, clashed in that area where uh, many fables, many stories were told. And, and we discussed that last week about the, the fables and endless genealogies. And, and here the, the thought continues really. Um, as he goes into verse 5, and, and Paul here in writing to Timothy is about to go through the resulting outcomes um, of, of, of Timothy uh, if he does obey the charge and then those ones who, who are, are causing the issue. And so we're going to see here Paul uh, is about to reiterate to Timothy the importance of his call or his charge in Ephesus. And again, uh, recognizing that, that chapter 1 really is a, is a big introduction to the, the body of thought here in the book of 1 Timothy. So let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to, to bless, and then we'll get into it tonight. Father God, we just thank you, dear Lord, for the, the time once again. And thank you, dear Lord, that we can open your word and have the freedom, dear God, to, Lord, to meditate upon it tonight, to study it. I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us to, Lord, to understand the things that we're going to be learning tonight. May it cause... Uh, each and every one of us to to be built up in the faith, and then Father, I do pray that you would just uh, Lord 
um, enable us, dear God, to then practice it in our lives. And, and Father, we look, look forward to the week. Um, there's much already been done and, and much to do this week. So we ask for grace. We ask, dear God, that you would already give uh, each one of these who have worked and labored so diligently um, some rest tonight. And then we look forward to your working in the lives of the children. And so I pray that you'd bless our evening this uh, tonight, uh, Lord, as we, we open your word. I pray that you'd be glorified, that you'd be pleased. And uh, Lord, I pray for your enabling, uh, even as I teach this evening, in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And so we see here Paul is about to reiterate to, to Timothy the importance of his call. He's about to expand on his thought uh, by showing Timothy what the results are of him doing what he was charged to do and the results of him not doing uh, what he was charged to, to do. And so Paul uh, give, is giving the alternative consequences to the scenario. Um, you know, often when we need to be shown, often we need to be shown the, the outcome of a decision to really see the gravity of a decision. You know, um, often we, we focus on the positives, but sometimes God shows us what happens if we don't. And here, there was already things happening afoot in the, in the Ephesian church. Uh, there were already those, as we know, who were focusing on uh, endless gene- genealogies, those fables that were causing uh, not, not the, the meat of the word, but questions in the word. And here we're going to see the, the command given uh, to Timothy. Look at verse 5 again. He says, now the end of the commandment. And that commandment... It, has to, is relating to what we read in verse 3, that charge that Paul gives Timothy, that, that, that thou mightest, in verse 3, charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So again, the first chapter is introducing the need and the reasons for Timothy and the consequent response uh, from Paul. And so as teachers of the Word, those of us who, who are leading families and those of us here who have the opportunity to do so, uh, within the like a within a, a formal context, as teachers of the word, we must recognize firstly the benefit, and then also the cost of our teaching. Uh, the benefit when we teach what's right, and the cost when we when we uh, when we are not careful in what we are teaching. Um, just as a reminder, remember the ultimate aim of the Christian teacher or preacher is not to generate debate and controversy. Right? It, it should be to cultivate the lives of the hearer to be daily practitioners of the clear commands and truths of the Word of God. And so he, he con- continues on here and he says, now the end of the commandment. So Timothy, basically he's saying, Timothy, if you do these things, this is the result of it in verse 5. And, and the results an, of an obeyed charge for Timothy and this emphatic way that the apostle wrote this meant that this, was, this is absolutely something to be obeyed. He called it a commandment. He called it uh, not, not simply a suggestion. He said, this commandment. And so this was what, what Timothy needed to do. And, and again, I want to I speak to those perhaps who uh, feel like there's a calling in their lives. And, and uh, those of you young men and, and maybe even older men who have indicated to me in the past that you are called to the work, this is a, a good thing to take heed to. And, and so this is an emphatic way that Paul is writing. He says, this command, the end of the commandment is this. And so the wolves that had crept in, they wanted questionings and debates, yet the apostle was emphasizing sureness and clarity. 
And the result of Timothy doing his job is really the following as we are listed, is listed out in Scripture. Firstly, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. So, so if, 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 if we're faithful to follow the Word of God and to teach the Word of God, the first result is this, charity out of a pure heart. The end of the commandment is this. The, the end of your charge, the result of your charge, Timothy, is this will be produced in the church. And interestingly, he puts their charity out of a pure heart. And, and you know, sometimes we, we, don't, we don't think enough about what it is to, to, be, to have charity. A charity is often described, isn't it, uh, as love in action. And, and that's part of it, I think. But, but really, if you, if you think about the, the word charity, it's also this, it's a love that's produced out of a, a maturing faith. That's what it is. As we mature in the, in the truth of the Word of God, the result of that is not just knowledge. It's love. It's charity. We become people that have greater charity. And he's saying here it, it produces charity out of a pure heart. And, and I think you all know the, the great chapter of charity in the Bible. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's turn there uh, together, church. And uh, we, we note here, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And we understand a little bit here, we're, we're cross-referencing and we're trying to study out, we're comparing Scripture with Scripture. And you understand that as, as Paul was writing to this particular church in Corinth, this was a great, a very, very gifted church. They, they, were, they were second to none when it came to the gifts. And so, so he was saying here that, that though you were all these things really, he says, if you don't have charity, then you're like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I have not charity, then notice what he says, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So can, can we just agree tonight that, that charity is an important result or outcome to God? He, he wants that produced in our lives. And, and so what he's saying here to Timothy, the end of the commandment, if you would if you would faithfully, uh, faithfully give the, the, the doctrine and you would faithfully give the whole counsel of God, unlike these ones who have, uh, which we'll later see, who've swerved from the truth, then what's going to be produced in our lives is charity. Charity out of a pure heart. It's not this, uh, it's not just, uh, just knowledge, it's, it's charity. He, he, he says in, uh, in, in chapter 12 that, that if we, uh, that knowledge puffeth up, but charity edified. There's a contrast. And, and he's saying here that, that charity is important. He goes through the characteristics of charity in verses 4 uh, right down to, to verse 8. And then he says this in verse 11. And again, in the context of charity, he says, For I was a, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So he's saying there, as he matured, 
there were some things that he that was just childish about him, but now as he became a man, he put away those things. And what did he have instead? He had charity. So I understand in the context, and in, in that verse, he's speaking about maturing. And in that context, the whole context of chapter 13 is charity. It can't, be th- it can't be speaking about anything else there. And he says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even or, or, as also I am known. And then notice verse 13 just for a point of emphasis. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. And you know, many of us probably have some sort of display in our homes with those three words. But notice what he says, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And he, what he's saying is, is your, your love that, that you're putting into action, really it's, it's, it's part of your maturity. And he's saying there in, in, um, in this chapter that the greatest of these is charity. In Colossians 3.14, the Bible says, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. He says in, in um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that great list of what we should be diligent about. Uh, add to your faith this, this, this. Remember that, that list? In chap- uh, chapter 1, verse 7, he says, and to godliness, brotherly kindness... And to brotherly kindness, the last word is charity. It's not, it could be anything. But here God's indicating for us that if you add to your faith and you continue to mature in your faith, that the ultimate end to that is charity. And you know, sometimes, sometimes we, we, we neglect to, to measure the way God measures we think like if we have you know, verses memorized and we have great knowledge and, and we have all these things that we understand, that that's a measure of Christian maturity. But, but God begs to differ with you tonight, friend. He's saying that the measure of, of, of true maturity in a Christian's life, firstly, the end of the commandment is charity. Charity out of a pure heart. Is your love maturing? Is your love for for one another? Is that, is that growing as you grow in the faith? Uh, look at 1 Peter now. 1 Peter chapter 1. And notice what the Bible tells us here. 1 Peter chapter 1. And, and notice verse, uh, verse 22. Say, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, and notice this, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart, fervently. It's the same, same language, really, he's using there. He's saying, have unfeigned love. That means real love. And he's saying, seeing that you've obeyed, seeing that you're, you, you, you understand the gospel, you've obeyed it, seeing that you are saved, then, then this ought to be produced in your life unfeigned love, and then he says, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. That means great passion. He says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so this, uh, our salvation mixed with, the, with, with 
the, the Word of God or, or the things of faith, the, the thing that is produced there is unfeigned love and, and a love that's fervent for one another. It, it produces, it produces the, a heart, uh, it's produced by a heart that's sensitive to God's Word, but then what, what flows out of that is a, is a fervent love, a real love, one for another. Uh, we understand the, the, the Lord Jesus, He said to us, as his disciples, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? That you have love one for another. You know, again, he's God. He could, have, he could have said anything else. But he said this, the measure of your discipleship, the thing we're going to be viewed by is actually our love one for another. It's our charity out of a pure heart. And, and, you know, you, you understand that, that when, when people get saved, they're new creatures, right? All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, and you could probably think of those that, that who, who uh, those maybe men who were very hard. And maybe they were hard on their families. And maybe they were, they were hard on their spouse. And, and, and you, you could probably think about some who, because of salvation and because of their growth in the Lord, have become softened men who have a great love for their family. You know what? That you know that the only thing that the only reason that has come about in their lives, it's not because they went through some course. No, because real faith was there. That's what it produces. It it doesn't produce a caustic spirit. It produces charity. And so he's saying that the end of the commandment, Timothy, Timothy if you go and, and, and fulfill the charge I've given you of, of correcting these things and, 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 and teaching the whole counsel and teaching sound doctrine, teaching those things of the Word of God, then the end of that is charity out of a pure heart. And, and many, many other places in the pastoral epistles uh, we see um, where faith and love are included. And we won't take the time, but you can list these in, in chapter 1, verse 14, chapter 2, verse 15, chapter 4, verse 12, uh, chapter 6, verse 11, 2 Timothy 1, 13, 2, 22, 3, 10, and Titus 2 and 2. All right? there's, there's all these references to, to faith and love connected. But then notice, secondly, go back to 1 Timothy. So that's the, the end of the commandment. Firstly, is, is charity out of a pure heart. But then notice, secondly, and of a good conscience. So second thing that's produced is a good conscience. Now, a conscience, often a, a good conscience is defined as nothing but inward integrity of heart. Having, having integrity of heart. And, and certainly when we consider a good conscience, that is the basis. Having integrity. Um, Making sure your conscience is clear. That, that those things that, that might be as an individual um, sin or wrong in our lives, in good conscience we know that we've taken care of that. In the sense that we've, we've asked for cleansing. Or we've been forgiven. But, but in this context as well, as you, as you bear, uh, study out that, that phrase, good conscience, in this sense, it also meant an internal judgment of one's actions by that one's group of belonging. So, so 
it's this, it's the pain one feels because others consider one's actions inappropriate and dishonorable. The, the Bible tells us in Acts 24, 16, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense. And often we agree with this toward God, but we forget about this and toward men. See, good conscience isn't just about you thinking that you're right before God. Good conscience also means this, are you right with your fellow men? Do you have a good conscience, as in good conduct? If, we were to, if, if, if you were to consider your relationships within the context of the local church, within the context of your family, do you have a good conscience? Is your conscience clear with your fellow man? Because it's not, it's not just being, being, uh, being right with God also usually means being right with your fellow man. Uh, we, we were already taught that uh, in the book of Matthew that if you were to give a gift and then you have ought with your brother, leave your gift and make it right with your brother. It's important to God. And a good conscience in, in its definition here is not simply just having inward integrity for yourself. It's having inward integrity also in the sight of those that you are part of in, the, in your group of belonging, which is in this context, the local church, your church body. And it's not good enough, um, church, that, that we go and we're just, we're just careless about the words we speak to each other. That we just go and, you know, we'll step on some, some feet and it doesn't matter if it hurts. No, no, we, we ought to have, be considerate of the whole body. We ought to consider and, and uh, we ought to have a, a good conscience in that sense. And, you know, in 1 Peter 3.16, the Bible tells us having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So again, in that, in that sense there, um, uh, having a good conscience where, 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 where you know that, that in, in the sight of others and in sight of God, you, you have clarity. You're clear. And ultimately, we understand that, that, again, we are to have good conscience toward God, but we also uh, be compelled to have a good conscience toward others. And, and, and you know, we, we spoke a little bit this morning about how it takes a church family to raise children. And, and you know, as part of this package of having a good conscience, sometimes we've got to allow each other to correct each other. That's part of charity too. That, that's part of having a good conscience is that, is that we take sometimes rebuke and reproof from each other, but always in a loving spirit. That we're not just there just to correct, but, but have the attitude that we're to correct and then to restore. Look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Notice the, the attitude here, and, and there's going to be times, you know, in the, sometimes in the, the raising of children, there's some things that, that others will notice about your child that they're going to have to speak to you about. And, and can I just encourage you, church, um, to go to, if, if you note something that is happening with another child, please go to the parent. Don't go directly to the child. 
not your responsibility. It's someone else's jurisdiction. But do it in a loving way. Don't do it just to, you know, belittle them. Don't just do it because you found a fault. No, do it right. And go to that, per- that, that, that child's parent, actually. That's the right way to go about it. All right? And, and sometimes it's an immediate thing. It's a, maybe it's, there's a danger. You need to quickly warn. But, but usually in the, in the context of a local church family, we note some things. And, and please, please go to the parent and let the parent correct that. You know, that, that's, that's their jurisdiction. But always with this attitude, look at Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... So not, not carnal. So this is speaking to those who are spiritual. Notice that restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And there's going to be in this, this whole idea of a good conscience of this, of, 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 of having a good, a, a clar- uh, sorry, having clarity and, and a good conscience in front of others. Sometimes there's going to be some some loving confrontation. But it ought always to be in this spirit of meekness. Control. Of, of having your spirit subject to the Spirit of the Lord. And we ought not to have this attitude that we're just going to go correct because it's correct. No, we ought to do it in a spirit of meekness. He says, lest thou also, considering thyself, lest thou also... Be tempted. And let's not forget that none of us are above falling also. Let's not forget that, especially in the context of what we're speaking about, sometimes with children, that we were children once and we needed to be corrected once too. That none of us are perfect. And, and so, again, sometimes there's going to be this loving confrontation. But, but teaching and preaching truth. Um, can at times result in having to, to lovingly confront. And, and that's, that's part of, that was part of Timothy's purview. That was part of Timothy's calling. Sometimes in, in, in achieving uh, truth, sometimes it's, it is confrontational. There's some times where, where the, the message isn't going to be positive. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit negative, but, but always with a loving spirit, with a, with a meek spirit. And, and, um, and what I'm asking tonight is as we think about you know, having right, right doctrine and, and ensuring that we're authentic right, in, in how we do church, how we, how we are as a church family, how we might behave ourselves in the house of God, that part of that is having a good conscience, not just before God, but before each other. And you know, that's difficult. Because sometimes, sometimes, uh, actually all the time, it takes lowliness and humility to do so. And none of us like to do that. If we're honest. Sometimes admitting that you were wrong in your spirit, and maybe even wrong in your actions, and that you don't actually have a clear conscience right there. That's tough. That can be hard. 
but but a mature church that 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 follows and is taught right but also is 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 applying right that's the result it's it's charity out of a pure heart but then also a good conscience and so so do we have a good conscience toward one another then fourthly he uh, thirdly he says faith unfeigned uh, notice there in verse 5 and of faith unfeigned and the result finally will be real faith faith unfeigned is is only used twice that 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 fr- phraseology used twice in the bible and both it's in reference to timothy so here we see it in in the result of his charge being faithfully kept but then recognize also in his heritage we we sort of noted this in in um our morning message second timothy uh, verse uh, chapter one verse five when i call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee but then notice here which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. So, so Paul was saying, look, I, I recognize that this unfeigned faith, this, this real faith in your, in your, um, in your grandmother, um, in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice. But it's in you also. It's recognizable. And, um, and it's a faith unfeigned. It's real. Um, to feign something is to pretend. Uh, it's to act out without reality. You know, um, often, often we we fall into this mentality that we fake it till we make it, and you know we appear to be to to have a reality that's not really there. But the, the and again, it goes with that whole whole thought of of charity of good conscience. We just got to be real. We just got to be authentic in our faith, and, and sometimes we go from faith to faith. Sometimes we we go through valleys where we're going through struggles. But is your is your faith real through all of those situations? Um, but when we we as teachers of the word and as people of the word faithfully give the whole counsel of God, what is produced is we produce real faith. And um, and we when we declare the whole counsel. When we give reasons and, and we don't just parrot what we've memorized, but what we've reasoned through the scriptures, you know what's produced in our lives, but then in those who are, uh, who are under our care, it's unfeigned faith. You see, it was, it was real. It was real uh, to, to Lois, it was real to Eunice, and it became real to Timothy. It was recognized. And, and you know, we, we've been speaking a lot about children, and, and this week it, it takes some modeling, it takes some mentoring. And, and it doesn't mean that they're not going to they're not, they're not um, make mistakes. It doesn't mean they're not going to struggle through it, but, but what they're going to remember and what God can use and will use is reality. It's authenticity. And and no doubt there's there's and, and there's many of our, our young people that, that I'm just praying they that God will touch their heart and help them remember the, the reality that was in us. The, the the thing that was visible about us. And so there's faith unfeigned. And then um verse six, notice verse six and, and maybe we'll just read this and then and then we'll just set the scene for, for next time. He says, From which 
some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling. And so he connects the, the verse there, he says, from which. So he says, in comparison to, there's some of those in the church who've actually, they've gone the other way. So my charge, Timothy, and, and if you do this, the result will be charity out of a pure heart, a good conscience and faith unfeigned. But then he says, from which, but there are some, Timothy, who is a living illustration Who've, who've, who've not gone down that path. They, they've just, they've, they've lost track. They, they've come into error. And, and I think next time, we'll just, we'll just wait for, uh, for next time, we'll look at the results of that too. What we're going to see is that they're, they're, they've swerved. It says, wish some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor of where, where they affirm. And, and so we're going we're gonna to unpack that next time we, we come into the, and look at the book of First Timothy. All right, so let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to, to bless as we're dismissed. Our Father in heaven, we, we come again, and we thank you, Lord, for uh, just uh, this, this short um, study in this one verse. And there's so much, Lord, that we can consider and apply in our lives. I pray that, Lord, as we, as we by your grace, stay faithful to declare sound doctrine and the whole council. Lord, whether it's in our homes, in our classes, in, our, in our, our main times of teaching, I pray that, Lord, these, these things, the, the charity out of a pure heart, a good conscience and faith unfeigned, Lord, will, will be readily visible, um, readily pointed to in our lives. And I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to strive, Lord, to continue to, Lord, to Apply the truths of the Word of God and not, not shun, uh, Lord, things that, that perhaps we're, we're uncomfortable with, perhaps things that we, uh, Lord, we, we don't quite understand. But help us, Lord, to be students of the Word. And, and Lord, as a result, then uh, bless those that we're able to, to influence and help uh, as you've given us this life. And I pray that you'd, you'd again, please go before us this week. I uh, pray, Lord, for... Lord, for everyone that's involved in, in the Holiday Bible Club and then uh, the leaders and, and everyone, I pray that you give grace. I pray that, Lord, there would be, um, Lord, your spirit amongst them and that, Lord, there'd be many lives that will be changed, Lord, by your working this week. And so we commit, to you, commit it to you, Lord, for your glory and honor in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. Let's all stand.